Yo, what's up? This is DJ Yellow from the world's most dangerous group. What's up? This is DOC, the Diggy Diggy motherfucking doc. Yo, 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 what's up? This is your boy Z Murray. What up, dog? This is E Shot. This is Jerry Heller, motherfucker. This your boy DJ Paul KOL from 360 Young Dizzy Ball. Vice World. This your man Mastermind and Hell Razor. Yo, this is DJ Ready Red. What up, what up, what up? This is the real Rick Ross, and you're listening to me on the Murder Master Music Show. Started messing around with records, man, and then I just started getting good. 
And then um, me and Chad started throwing parties, man. We started making like, I think we was making like 10000 every two weeks. And this is before the Bay Area rush came, because at that time, Short was still on 75 Girls Records. He wasn't, there was no Dangerous Crew yet. It was just um, pre-Dangerous Crew. This, uh, yeah, this is pre, pre, pre-Dangerous Crew. So you started DJing, you know what I'm saying, um, like what, around 81 or so? You, you started officially doing it yourself? Like when did you get your first turntable? I got my first turntables. Well, I had turntables like when I was in high school, but they was like a Morant. And then I had a technique, but I had that real, real cheap technique with no pitch control on it. But what my dude did is he hooked up the toggle switch so it could play backwards and forwards. So I was doing stuff way before, but this had to be, you know, the, the early, I'm going to say the early 80s, Charlie, my partner Charlie bought home my turntables, my turntables that I still have today that I toured with all these years, um, I want to say in 1985. 85. I got my first technique, 1985. Man, I can't believe you still uh, uh, got those in tour with them. I mean, that's amazing. Um, people trip when I tell them I got a pair of these old Kenwood 12 speakers from, like, 92, and they still work. They made shit built to last back then. There it is. You know? That's it. Um, that's it. You, I don't even know how much new techniques cost, but yeah. I've always took care of mine. And, I mean... I would get on the airplane, and I would actually look out the airplane window and watch them load my cases, and I would just see them pull them off the top shelf and just drop them on, uh. the, on, the, on the belt. Uh-uh. But, see, I don't I – didn't, I didn't – at that time, you got to think, this is pre-DAT, pre-CD. All we got yeah. is tape cassette and, and live records that we had to play on stage, so you couldn't jump around or the needle was skip. It wasn't like it was today. You really had to have your set together. You really, really had to have your set together. Great skill. Um, yeah, this is like, uh, you know, you're right there with the, uh, the likes of the Mr. Mixes and the uh, DJ Ready Reds or Jazzy Jeffs, you know, uh, because you were touring uh, with Short. When did you uh, meet him? You said this is 75 Girls Records days when you first met him? I'm, yeah, I met Short. I want to say I met Short in maybe, maybe around 85, 84, something like that. Because there was this dude that was signed to 75 Girls. He was out before Short. Um, I can't think of what his name was, but he was a little light-skinned, cute nigga. He had all the, all the chicks liked him, right? So he had this one chick that was fine, and I was dating I wasn't dating her sister, but I was seeing her sister because I was her. My baby mama is her friend. I was doing some some real some real dirty thug shit back in the day. But um, I went over there one day and he's like, "Yeah, man, short here." I'm like, "Oh yeah, I heard of short." You know, it short wasn't nothing big to me, man. I was doing my own thing, and I was like, "Yeah." My brother um, is a mix a monitor mix engineer, and when I let him hear that two short stuff, what he said to me was. That boy's drums is dry as chips. Now, my brother, my brother, he monitored mixes, uh, let me see, Whitney Houston, Prince, Cool in the Gang. His main group was um, Boys to Men, but before that was Lisa Lisa and the Cult Jam. And then yeah. he started doing TV shows, and now he's like the main guy that does all of the monitor mixing at, at all Super Bowls. 
And wow. I didn't even know my brother was that big. It's my stepbrother, but I didn't know he was that big. So when he said that to me, I said, okay, that's what I want to specialize in is drums. And East Coast got all the drums. So I just started going through records and records and records and just started sampling a whole bunch of shit, man. And next thing I know, I had my sound. I had that Oak Town sound, that, that first sound that came out of Oakland with, with that funk and that hard, you know, just that hard shit. If you listen to the transition from Born to Mac to Short Dogs in the House, you'll see the production value got up better because all I did was scratch on Mac Attack. But when Short Dog in the House came around, I was on damn near every track. Yeah. But I I always have a catalog, so I mean, yeah. It is yeah, what it that, is. I mean, that uh, you know that album. Uh, you were were you working with like DJ Pooh and, and Jinx and uh, no, back well, Jinx is my partner. Jinx yeah, is my partner. Yeah, shout out to Jinx. Jinx is my partner. Um, um, I wasn't working directly with them. No, Short went outside on production. You know, and uh-huh. Aunt Banks wasn't on that album. Aunt Banks hadn't been pulled into the crew yet. Shorty B wasn't there yet. Pee Wee wasn't there yet. It was just um, me, Short, Randy Austin, Joe the Boss, Superside, and Too Clean. That's the original Dangerous crew. And it was just me and Short and Al Eaton in the studio, and we just was making hits. And then when Aunt Banks came around, man, it was a wrap after that. And then yeah. when Pee Wee and Shorty B came in, oh, man, it was just a wreck. We, we could not stop making hits. But that was the era where the only two groups that wasn't on Def Jam that went platinum, and I'm talking about one-time platinum, was um, Salt and Pepper. And it, it was one more group. I can't think of that group's name. But we was on the West Coast. We was killing it. You know, we doing $2 million. 1.5, you know what I mean? And yeah. it just was crazy. It just seemed like it happened overnight, but it didn't. But it just, it was pretty crazy, man. It was, it, it's been a crazy ride. I'm just going to tell you that. So, um, you know, l- l- let's go back uh, to Born to Mac. <clears throat> like I said, you was doing the, the, the dope cut and scratch and on Mac Attack. Um, did you uh, do anything on Life is Too Short? Were you guys touring at this time? What was going on when uh, you were getting ready this, to, this, to drop the second album? This is what happened. We, like I said, we didn't have that tapes. And Short had these records that were pre-made. Now, you have to understand, if you wanted the acapella, you actually had to pull it out of the studio and you would have to press it up to wax. So he had a DJ before me. Um, I can't think of what his name is. But... um. He gave me the records that he had, but they were he didn't take good care of them, so they were hella scratched. So I got the job, and I go to Nashville, Tennessee. And we on stage, but Short ain't used to being on stage with a DJ. And two queens jumping around, the record is jumping, Short can't find his place. He just walked to the back of the stage, and I'm doing what I can. This is my first show. Everybody mad at me after the show. It's my fault. It's always the DJ's fault. And um, when we get home, Joe the Boss called me, and he said, nigga, you're fired. Don't call me. Don't be crying, nigga. We gave you a chance. You fucked it up. It is what it is. At that time, I was still going to the studio doing mega mixes. 
Then this had to be ninety ninety one, just just uh, before the Short Dog in the House um, album came out. So I'm working on this kid called MC Spice because he's from my neighborhood. He used to throw rocks at my window. Let me come up and rap. And I would be like, nigga, you got some weed? You got some weed, you can come up. If you don't, you can't come in. And he would do what he had to do. But we would we would make music, man. And then I just told myself early in the game, after I got fired that time, I told myself I have to be my own boss. I have to run my own destiny. I can't work for this man. You never get rich working for another person. So... um. I had hooked up with uh, this guy named Blind Joe. Blind Joe ran a 24-track, no, 16-track, three-quarter-inch recording studio <laughs> in the Oakland Hills. And if anybody tells you from, from, from the town that they don't know who Blind Joe is or they never went through that studio, it's a lie because he only charges like $10 an hour. So I was going in there doing mega mixes, and he came up to me one day and he said, I'm going to let you meet these guys. And I'm like, what, what, what guys? And he said, they're called Tony, Tony, Tony. And I was like, well, why the fuck do these guys got three names? <laughs> the same. And then um, I had this easy e-mix that I was doing. And it started off, play this record as frequently as possible. Then, as it becomes easier for you, play the record once a day or as needed. As soon as Dwayne heard that, he said, stop. I want that. Next thing I know, um, Raphael's the one that brought me in. But when Dwayne came to the studio, it was the first time we met Dwayne, he heard that, and he'd never heard no hip-hop shit like that before. So next thing you know, I'm in the studio with them, and we record Feels Good. Feels Good takes off. Short is still working on, um, he, he's promoting, not from, well, he's, Life is Too Short is already out, and that went platinum. But when Feels Good came out, we took the whole country by storm that song was just so big and he heard that i had did it and me and wayne went to a heavy d concert at the coliseum one night and he seen me and he was like pierre what's up i said what's up he's like man that shit blowing up huh i was like yeah he's like yeah, i'm working on my new album i need you in there i said all right man just just page me nigga we even have to tell you the phone just page me and his code, I think his code was like 333. So I get a call from him one day, and he's like, hey, man, can you meet me at the studio? And I'm like, I'll be up here. We go up there, and we invented short dogs in the house. And that's how it really went down, verbatim. That's, uh, uh, that's wild how uh, you guys crossed paths uh, later, you know what I'm saying? You started working with uh, Tony, Tony, Tony. We just had a... Uh, uh, and trying uh, hail on uh, about a week ago. Hey, ice cream. Uh, hey, yeah. ice, that's ice cream. We call him ice cream. And he's sick. And that's my that's my brother. This is I mean yeah. this is the, the foundation of the Oakland hip hop music R and B scene right here. I mean um, you're you're, oh, you're yeah. rubbing elbows with all these guys, man, and and uh, likewise with you. I mean. Um, what was it like coming up amongst the other pioneers of the city of Oakland at that time? Did you guys know you would be creating such a, um, you know what I'm saying, big music scene? We just was happy that we had record deals when we got them record deals. But we all were just young kids in the neighborhood, and Raphael and them played in the church choir, 
and Short played the drums, and E-40, E-40 actually was a, uh, went to Grambling. I think he was on the line. 40 used to be like a, like one of those snare drummer dudes. And then, um, I just was, I was a DJ. My grandfather, his name is Q Martin. My grandfather, ever since I was in the fourth grade, he did music. And he would always tell me, you know, he would take me everywhere. And I watched how they had to record. You have to think, this is like 1969, 1970, 71. And he's taking me to these, to these recording sessions to where it really wasn't no recording each track individually. It was like a band. And yeah. if one person messed up, they would have to go back and start again. So I learned that, and I learned I didn't learn how to write sheet music, but I watched him write it, and I watched how he made music. And as I got older, and he found out I got into the business, um, he had told me, he said, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what you're put here for. Handle it. And so I just kept getting good. I really didn't watch. I think the only other DJ that I really watched was um, – Oh, uh, Mixmaster Ice from UTFO. Yeah, and Howie T. Yeah. And Howie T. And then I said, that's what, uh, see, Mixmaster, Mixmaster Ice, um, was DJing everybody. And that's what I said I wanted to do. And I prayed on it, and I prayed on it, and it started happening. And it's surreal to me now because. You'll, you'll look back at the history of hip-hop, and in the Bay, I'm the guy that a lot of people don't know. They know my name, but they really don't know me because I never spread myself thin like that. I just I just didn't do it. When somebody wanted me to DJ or go to the studio with me, nine times out of ten, I would turn them down because I didn't feel like they could fulfill my sound. Now, short. He could fulfill my sound. The Tonys could fulfill my sound. Spice could, he could uh, fulfill my sound. Um, Boots from the Cool, could, could, they can do it. But then you get all these. Now you now you have to understand hip hop is starting to pick up. Yeah. And KMEL went from a rock station over to an urban station, and they started playing rap, and they started doing the summer jams. And I mean, we just was caught up in all that, man. I mean, the '90s was a phenomenal period. For hip-hop, phenomenal. It was so many It was so many artists that were so good at their craft. You, you, when I say I'm up at 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm recording, I didn't think across the country it's another couple of thousand people like me. And if you hear some shit that Pete Rock did, you'd be like, oh, damn. I got to do because Pete Rock's drums is the shit. Pete. Yeah. You know what I mean? So... That's the kind of people I looked up to. Pete Rock, I, I liked him. Um, 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 Premier. Premier. Premier, yeah. That's Premier my dude. That, that dude is sick. Premier is sick. Yeah. Yeah. He, well, see, he has a sound. project with Yuck Mouth. Not to cut you off, Yuck was just telling us he's doing something with Pete Rock. Uh, wow, Kind of like how NBA did a project with Premier. They're going to do like mm-hmm. a East West thing. So that's dope right there that talk about them super you, you know what's you know what's crazy it's like now these artists like back in the day we couldn't send you an email with the track on it 
if you wanted to do a track, you actually had to come out or we had to come out there. We actually had to send you the tape. Yeah. So we would have interaction with a person like when when Short did that song with Ice Cube, um, uh, when he said something about Janet Jackson, whatever. Oh, yeah. Them niggas was uh, in the studio. They was in the studio together vibing off each other. Sending the track back and forth. Yeah, they, yeah. The good old Yeah, days, they was man. like, yeah, them was, them was the days when people was really writing, and then everybody didn't sound like everybody. Yeah. I think I it think was a I think that was yeah. You know that's his style. You know what I mean? That's you would know. Oh, that's Ice Cube. Or Just this like was if, old, you, if you if this was Chicago, this was Flint, Gary, so on. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You had like if you wanted a certain sound, you you knew where to go. If you wanted change you where to go and party music, that was Luke. That was too live, yeah. Poison Clan, you know, something like that. If you wanted hard exactly. gangster shit, that was Easy E and them. If you wanted the pimp yeah. shit, that was short. You knew what was yep. out there. Conscious rap, you went yep. to PE. You know, uh, yep. but now it's like a, a, a big fucking jambalaya of shit. I mean, I'm not hating on nobody, but some of the stuff that they, they pass off is, is really, uh, I just can't interact with, man. I just don't get it. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know, I I'm too getting old. I don't know. Man, I'm I'm, I'm definitely. I ain't even getting old. I'm there. But I was talking <laughs> to my two, my dude Billy Blades the other day, and I was like, "Hey, man, you think it would be fucked up if I said this?" And I said, "Um, a lot of people, a lot of people said to me, Aunt Banks is the Dr. Dre of the Bay." I said, yeah. "If he's the Dr. Dre of the Bay, I guess that makes me Kanye." And I said, does that sound fucked up? And he said, no, because it's the truth. He said, both of you guys got your own thing. But you guys were the guys in the back. Just like Kanye is the guy out of Chi-Town. Dre's the dude from L.A. But we had our own sound. We had our own thing going on, man. But we would go in yeah. the studio and we would vibe. I've been in the studio with um with Ice Cream so many times. You know what I mean? And just... I don't know, man. It just was something that was felt natural. It felt like riding a bike. It's just like we're going to get on the bike and we're going to ride it today. You know what I mean? And it's the same way I am with well, Raphael. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, we, we started first. A lot of people influence. You guys influence a lot of people. You know, um, a lot of, you know, like here in the Midwest, you know, everything's got to pass through us, like, Parts of the Midwest kind of sound like they're from the Bay. Parts of the Midwest sound like they're from the East Coast. But we really fuck with the Bay tough because uh, mm -hmm. it was just, uh, uh, you know what I'm saying, you guys were just speaking real shit, and you had unique sounds. You didn't just have the same, you know, the typical breakbeat that you hear out East or something over and over again. You guys had, you mm -hmm. know, live instrumentation. Um, but what I wanted to talk about, though, is, uh, you know, the DJ... Um, you know, they started stripping away the elements of hip hop and the DJ has always been to me one of the, the, the main ingredients. You need the DJ. It's not hip hop without the DJ. Um you know, how did that make you feel when you started to notice that? It's it's um, messed up. I'm I'm grateful that these these new DJs, you know, the Calis and all these guys and they're calling themselves DJs or whatever, but you don't want to see me on a turntable, bruh. You yeah. just don't. 
You just, you really just don't. I'm going to hurt your feelings because my style is old school. But my old school style is dope in its own point. And my hands are really quick. Um, my dude said to me one day, my dude Orbit, Bill, he said to me one day, he said, man, I remember when the MCs had to ask the DJs if they could rap. And we, that meant we was out in the front. We were the ones, we were the band. After the band would play, if they had a party or something in the park and the band was done, that's when the DJ would come on and DJ would rock. And in the hip-hop, um, the rap yeah. kids would come out and the break dancers would come out. And you just grab a break and you go. And it just blew up over the bands. It took over in the 70s. It just took over. And then eventually when we got to the, to the late 80s and the early 90s, the DJ moved back. He just was a, he just was an extra piece. And unless you yeah. was a good DJ like DJ Scratch or Jazzy Jeff or uh, Premier or somebody like that, you wasn't getting no solo. You wasn't getting nothing. You just sat in the back and you played the records. That's what you did. How many DJs do you see now that be on stage that don't do shit except for push a button? Does that really make yeah. you a DJ? I mean, it, it, you know, when I get a Two Live Crew record back in the day, the first thing I do is skip to the end and listen to the mega mix. You know, mm-hmm. saying I wanted to hear what mix was doing this time, what sounds or samples he was going to use, movies, you know, scratching. Yeah. I mean, that, that's you know, that's part of the fun of hip hop, man. And 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 you know, the DJ wasn't the only thing they stripped away. They eventually got to the point where they just said, "Fuck the lyrics, too." And that's when oh, I yeah. just started. But nah, you know what I'm saying? People I'm, would actually know, think about, people, people would actually think about, not to cut you wrong, but people would actually think about their lyrics and they would make a point. Yeah. There's not just, it, it, you know, LL Cool Day was good for the braggadocio, right? And that was a cool thing. That was his line. That's what he did. And all the ladies love Cool Day. You know what I mean? And then you go, I remember Short said to me one day, he said, hey, nigga, I said, what? He said, I wonder when rap niggas going to sample rap niggas shit. And I was like, that ain't never going to happen. Because we was in that era. Oh, you bite it. That's what you're doing? Really, you just took my beef. You just took it. You can get your potato peeled for that. Especially if your song was better than the person's song. Yeah, it would kill your record sales, man. It was business. You know, you have to understand, it was was G-Boys in the business, man. Yeah. I mean, there was no, um, I mean, you had to have that level of respect. You know, you couldn't just come into a certain city and and act like a jerk. You know what I mean? Um, the, the people wasn't having that. And nowadays, it's like uh, um, a lot of the respect is gone, too. Um, that's why I love to see when guys uh, like Public Enemy put out a record or... Uh, you know, Spice One drops a new record. I, I tell the people, man, we got to support this. When you see them yeah, drop these please. records, we got to get behind them. You know, and, and exactly. really push the, the, the product. But hey, uh, man, this is real, really dope talking. I want to go to a song real quick. Um, this one here. Uh, let, let's go with this one, man. It's uh, it all started out too short, man. Tell us about this one. Intro this for me. Um, I started doing mixes when I was DJing for forty. And then I just wanted, I said, well, if I do a mix for 40, 
then I got to do a mix for short. Then I got to do a mix of the Tonys. Then I got to do a mix of Spice. So this is just one mega mix that I did, and I just took pieces out and just placed them where I wanted to place them, scratched them in, and did whatever I had to do, man. So, yeah, it all started out with two short. And the reason why I said that is because that's true. If it wasn't for short, I wouldn't be be who I am in music today, in real life. Uh, hold that That's top, as soon as, as soon as we come back, I want to talk about that. Uh, we'll be right back with okay. DJ Pizzo. Don't go nowhere. Hey I, hey, I got a good friend of mine, man, named DJ Pizzo. Yeah. He talks he talks very highly about you, man. What's up with DJ Pizzo right now? Well, I mean, you know, uh, Pierre, DJ Pizzo, is fortunate enough to say that he spent years in his life DJing for short, and he spent years in his life DJing for 40, and he spent years in his life before short and 40 having a good career as a DJ doing what he do around the base. So, you know, I don't know, I really don't know the nature of his relationship with 40, but with me, it was more than just a DJ. Pierre brought me a lot of samples and, and rec- he had such a, a, a large music collection. He brought me a lot of stuff that, that I would have never had. You know, I, I mean, he knows, I know, you know, he, he knows my boy, and we had a lot of good years, but it's like, you know, I, I'm in my 40s, 40s just turned 40, Pierre's in his 40s, and basically, you know, for some OGs, Still doing it like like this, you know. Look at this. It's, it's, this is like it's, it's breaking the rules.
Kim Murder Master Music Show, episode 818. We got DJ Pizzo, you know what I'm saying, Oaktown legend right here. And he definitely, uh, man, brings back that essence right there. That's what I'm talking about. Um, are you going to do it's any more like factor, man. In, the, in the future? Say that again? You gonna do any more like uh, uh, mega mixes like that in the future? Oh yeah, I got one on E40, I got one on Spice One, I got one on the Tonys. Um, I, and if you listen later on, listen to um, I'm Losing Me. That's me and Raphael Sadiq. Oh wow! <laughs> I mean, I make I make I make shit that's. I'll make some shit, and I'll call Ray at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'll be like, yo, listen to this. I just emailed you a track. Check it out. And he'll call me back and be like, what are we going to do with that? You know what I mean? And it's just it's just really a blessing, man. But it's, it's, if you always work, if you always stay busy, and you see somebody that's working harder than you, then you're not working hard enough. They say put in 100%. I put in 110. If they did 110, I'm doing 120 yeah, I just had to. I wanted to be the best, but you have to strive for that. That's just like an athlete. You know, if you want to be the best, that's what you're gonna do. Put in that Period. work, absolutely. 100%. Put in that work, but see what what I got is a catalog, and that's what a lot of these youngsters don't know about. I'm gonna give you a prime example. So you got Soldier Boy, right? Yeah, Soldier Boy. Had been in the game maybe a year. I don't know how long he'd been rapping, but he just started getting notes. And after he blew up on YouTube, they gave him, and this is what record companies do, they gave him a single deal with an option. And they had the first right of refusal. That means they're in control of everything, and they want to own your masters. I learned that the hard way. He didn't know that yet. So what happened to him was he just was another casualty of their war. And when that song blew up on YouTube, that's when they signed him. And then they blew it up even bigger. Now, since they have the uh, the option and the first right of refusal, now he needs an album. And, but they need it yesterday. But he doesn't have a catalog. So he had to rush his whole album to fulfill his contract. And that doesn't give you time to be creative. That Now you're in, the and they call it the music business, now you're in business mode. You're not doing music. The music part is easy. The business part is the hard part. And what happened to him? He blew up, and then he fell off. If he had a catalog, I'm quite sure now he gets it and he has a catalog. But just keep recording music. That's how this thing works, man. It used to, we used to have a saying, here today, gone tomorrow. Now it's here today, gone 15 minutes later with the social media. Because every time you release something that's hot and you don't have the backing behind it and you go on the social media, somebody else is going to release something else hot in the next 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah. And it's going to be the new shit. We used to be the new shit. I think we tore it off. We tore it off of that, uh, what is that, uh, my ghetto report card, what it is, whatever it is, um, we toured off of that for two years. We toured off of short dogs in the house for four years. Four years. Wow. That don't happen no more. 
It's just so no. So you you when um when uh, uh Shorty B and, and, and Pee Wee and Aunt Banks came along, you were uh you, you were with them at that time too, right? You you DJed with them the whole yeah. time they were there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So when they came, I brought Aunt Banks in. Okay, tell tell me about that. Uh, Ed Banks uh, at the time he was doing um, his own tapes, was he not? On the ground tape. No, he was doing Dangerous Dame. Remember Dangerous okay. Dame? Yep. Oh, Dangerous yeah. Dame had a had a a song called "I Call Your Name" and my dude um, Ray sang on it. My uh, other partner Ray, Ray Ray. He a comedian. This nigga could do anything. This nigga's a genius. Um. And one day, I always remember this address, 1127 Delaware Street. That was my grandmother's house since the 50s. I grew up in that house, and it's in Berkeley, California, down the street from um, Cal Berkeley. In her in her back room, she had this little add-on, a little cheap add-on, and that was my studio. I had a Tascam, four-track. And one day, Aunt Banks, and I had heard about him because I heard of Pooh, because Pooh had fucking with Banks. And he came by my grandmama's house. And he said, man, these niggas ain't paying me for this dangerous dame shit. Man, what am I supposed to do? And he was driving a raggedy-ass van. And I said, stop going to the studio. But he was fucking with some gangster niggas. And gangster niggas, when that money stops flowing, I don't care what they doing. When that money stops flowing, they gonna check you. But you gotta be a gangster nigga right back with them gangster niggas. I don't like nigga be a gangster nigga and stop going to the studio. When them motherfuckers ask him, how come you didn't show up at the session today? We burnt the session, and them sessions was expensive back in the day. And he said, "Man, I ain't got paid yet." And they worked something out. Yeah. And then when Short signed Poolman, and Bank was part of the pack. But then this nigga Spice One came out on a mixtape, on a comp- mix, uh, comp- uh, compilation mixtape that I did called Dope Like a Pound Door Key. I had um, TDK, who was actually um, Dale the Funky Homo Sapien. I had Boots from the Coup. Little G, Destiny, Mac Lou, Spice One, and a couple other motherfuckers. This is a classic tape. It's a cassette. You, I seen it online. Somebody had dubbed that shit and seen it. I seen it online. I think they were selling that shit for like damn near twelve hundred dollars. Cause you, that's something you just can't get. Collect but I got the masters. Yeah, it is. It's something that you don't open. Wow. Are you going to re-release that at some point? I am. Oh, hell yeah. I am. I got. I actually have my son and Chaz's son are working together. And um, I just really hand the reins over to my son. And I said, tell me what you want me to do. But he doesn't know all the stuff that I have. But, I'm, I'm, I, but he's new. I'm not. I'm old. I, he's new. I'm old. And it works. Yeah. Because I'm gonna tell him that shit ain't that shit is not the shit. Now nah, dad, that's the shit. All right, convince me. You know what I mean? So it's generations, man. 
Well, that's good that he, he you're there that to help guide him, man, because you've been through this business, you know the pitfalls, anything you you could you can help him with. <clears throat> I mean that's that's dope right there. Um, now you, you know what, my son? Talking about Chaz Hayes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yes, yeah. He was uh, Chaz Hayes management. Um, you always see him on the, the TV. You know, Spice yeah. twenty forty. Yeah. Uh, well, when did you meet him? Is he part of the uh, like dangerous crew at all? He, hell no. He wasn't never. Hell no. He wasn't part of none of that shit. Them niggas laughed at that nigga. In real life. <laughs> you have to understand. He from Fremont. Back in them days. All right, where you stay at, man? Me, originally from Chicago, but I'm, I'm southern part of the state. Okay, I right thought because I seen the I seen the six one nine. So you know how the, the the kids stayed in the suburbs? Yeah, that's where Chad stayed. Okay, that nigga never came. He he couldn't even come to the neighborhood. They would rush that nigga off the block. But so I put him on like business behind the scenes, basically. He was, Chaz was the guy that I said, I can't go in here and talk to these folks because I do music. And I'm very aggressive and I'm a street dude. But Chaz knows how to talk to them. Yeah. So I put him in a position. And I said, look, I just I told him what to do. I said, this is what we're going to do. And I want 30% of your company. And when I got him the gig, just imagine being at a party and then everybody is there. Everybody that you know and everybody that you really don't know because you're going to do some big shit is there. And you say, hey, man, I'll be right back. I got to go to the bathroom. Open the door when I'm not. Stand by the door. Open the door when I'm not. And when you go to the bathroom, you come back and you knock. He on his own shit because he already got plugged. Now he doesn't need you. Brothers don't do brothers like that. That's just what it is. And, I mean, that's exactly what happened. And, you know, he'll tell you different, but I'm going to tell you the truth because I don't have anything to lose, don't have anything to gain. I was there. He told me one day, and we was on a tour bus, and Forty was sitting up front with us. And um, something about tour buses came up, right? And um, I said, "Man, I've been riding tour buses for years." And then Chaz just broke out and said, "Man, I've been on tour buses before you." I was like, "I said, uh, I said, Chaz, come on, man." I said, I was DJing for sure for five years before you even got in the game, and I'm the person that put you in the game. And 40 was like, ooh, wowzers. That's true, though. (laughs) (laughs) He said, because I remember DJP here. I didn't even know Chaz. Yeah. My whole thing, even on my documentary, my whole thing, really, is I just want to tell the truth. And if they want to rebut that, that's fine, because that's what people do. Oh, it didn't happen like that. All right. I got film footage. That's always a bonus, Uh, especially in that era, because, uh, 
you know, many people weren't filming everything like they are now, you know. My my dude, Big Z, every party we did, I got parties on tape that me and Chaz did. Every party we did, he always had a camera, and I had just bought this video camera. Remember the old school VHS where you put that you put VHS tape in there, and you could pull yeah, it out the camera and actually just put it Okay. So yeah. Zine would film everything, right? And I'd be like, dude, why are you filming everything and taking out the pictures? He said, wait, when you get older, you're going to thank me for it. And I guarantee you this, every time I see him, I thank him for it. Because he caught yeah. times in our lives that will never be relived. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's what life is about, man, your memory banks. It ain't about the material wealth, your possessions. It's about what you did, who you met, you know. And, uh, right. It's good to have that. Now, this documentary you gotta, is something you gotta, uh, put out or, or something that's coming out. Oh, yeah, it's a documentary, my whole documentary. I got a documentary that's so crazy, I've been sitting on it for 10 years, right? Wow. And everything is good, but there's some different pieces that I want in there, so I won't release it, and a couple of people have seen it. And it's really long. It's like two hours long. It's it's like a long-ass movie. But I got a section on there for two shorts. And everything that happened with Short and everything that happened with Spice, everything that happened with the Tony and everything that happened with 40, live shows, backstage stuff. And I'll get a call every once in a while. I'd be like, hey, let me use some of that footage. And I'd be like, no, man, that's for me. I filmed it. It's my shit. I'm not giving that to you. I did that. But I knew what was going to take care of my kids and put them through college. Yeah. That's what I knew, you know? So, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's just, like you said, that's your footage. Um, man, I look forward to seeing this, you know what I'm saying? Because uh, we don't get to see, uh, it's very rare. Yeah, I remember years ago, DJ Yellow uh, on YouTube put some old uh, NWA uh, footage nobody's seen up. And, uh it was dope to see the the actual process of them recording them songs and <clears throat> Easy Shy in the studio and nobody looking at them. Um, I mean, that shit's priceless. Uh, when did you uh, meet Spice One? I think I was... Well, I'll tell you, he was 14. Wow. And I think I'm like three years older or four years older or five years older than that nigga. So I was like, I was already doing it. Yeah. If you look at my documentary, I got him on there, and we sitting in his jacuzzi, right? And he's talking, and he was like, he was like, so when did you hear about Pierre? And he said, Pierre? He was like, that nigga was the famous nigga in the neighborhood. He He was doing it. He was like, that nigga... I was reaching out to that nigga. He got me my record deal. My first record deal. He the one I was, and he was there when Barry Wise told me. So, I mean, he's telling the truth. I talk to his sister every day. His mama treat me like her son because I've been around since day one. I got him his first show. 
good Spice One story, I go pick him up. Now, the condos is right across the street from Mount Eden and Hayward, off of Hesperian, right? Uh-huh. is up the block. I'm from Pomacea. So I drive down. Mind you, I'm DJing for short, but I own a roller skate rink in San Leandro. But we done converted the roller skating rink and put two DJ booths in there. And after, like, 7 o'clock on a Saturday, nigga, it turned into a club. And then we started doing shows. And then I brought Chaz in. And I think when we was doing the shit at the Newark Pavilion, me and Chaz, we was getting groups like MC Shy D and Egyptian Lover and... Uh, I don't know. There was this one chick he brought. She was so whack. I was like, you'll never pick the talent again, nigga, ever in life. You'll never do it. And when we started doing the skating rink, he was like, well, let's just bring MC Shy D back. And I said, nah, nigga. I said, we in San Leandro, nigga. We 15 minutes from East 14th, nigga, from the town. These niggas want to see them niggas that did boys in the hood. And we brought N.W.A. out there. Wow. And guess who guess who opened up? Imagine you. Or Spice no. One. Yes, yeah, Spice One. That's what Spice he was talking about. Spice One opened up. The, uh, this was eighty yeah. this was what, eighty eight, eighty nine you said? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And he opened up like? and he did he did one eighty seven proof. And they was booing this nigga. They didn't want to see him. They want to see them boys in the hood, niggas, right? <laughs> and this one chick threw a big lighter at this nigga. This nigga had on, you remember how niggas used to wear them pinstripe guest, uh, overalls? And they would always have one of those things unhooked, and the other one was hooked on the other side. <laughs> that nigga had, he had his whole little fit together, right? This chick threw, threw a uh, big lighter at that nigga. That nigga, that nigga ducked it. Then he picked it up as he was still walking. But nobody knew about 187 Poop yet. I didn't promote him yet. I just put him on the bill. When that nigga was done, I gave that nigga that one song. When that nigga was done, before he walked off the stage, that nigga took that lighter and hit that bitch in the head with it. <laughs> I was like, he this was nigga is thinking about that whole set. The whole six. I, he had it in his hand. I kept watching. I'm like, this nigga's going to throw this lighter. Because I know him. This nigga's going to throw this lighter at this bitch. I know. But just don't do it in the middle of the show. That nigga walked up to the end of the stage and just threw it at her like 102 miles an hour. <laughs> the fast pitch. Yeah. And then walked off the stage hella quick. <laughs> Man. Yep. That's, See, there's little intricate stuff like that that people. Yeah. If you say if you say that to him, he's gonna laugh. He's gonna be like, "That's exactly how it happened." Yeah. I can't take that from that nigga. That's exactly how it happened. The, it is what it is, man. Stuff, this intensity, you know, he he gets real. He's just passionate about things. You know what I'm saying? Um, seems like he's just a real dude, man. He's always been he's always been cool every time we had him on the show. Real humble. Yeah, because his mama raised him right. Yeah. Hey, look, I'm going to tell you how crazy that family is, okay? Look, 
I love Lady. That's his sister, right? I love little J-Dub. That's his little brother. I love his mama. I love big J-Dub. I love Spice. Who mother buy them their son a pistol at Christmas? <laughs> Spice yeah, mama did strap. it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's some real shit, right? Merry Christmas, yeah, baby. Oh, ma. Thank you. Thank you. So. The 357 Magnum. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's what you buy yourself? <laughs> hey, there now, was a story. How old was he when, when, when that happened? Remember when they shot that nigga up at uh, Dangerous Music Studio? It was that year. Because that nigga jumped out that cheek nigga and started busting back. I'm like, damn, nigga, what is that? And he was like, my mama bought me this. He was like, it's 357. I was like, oh, God damn. Now, they, now Dangerous Music Studio, who shot up Dangerous Music Studio? I never heard about that. We don't know. Look, What year was this? Was this like in the early 90s? Or? It was like it was like the 90s. It was like the, like the early, maybe mid-90s. It was bad. Niggas was getting their potatoes peeled. Wasn't nobody going to no clubs. You would leave out of town on 4th of July and on Halloween because you don't know who's knocking at your door and you don't even want to be nowhere. You don't want to be at your chick house. You don't want to be over. You want to be out of town. That's a hitman holiday. Get out of town on them days, man. That's when you get out of town. Now, that's some real gangster stuff right there. Get out of town. Niggas will go to Monterey, go to Reno, go to Vegas, go to somewhere in San Francisco. You know what I mean? They just be gone. Them is the days you get out of town, man. I don't know. Yeah, well, you got to think, man, um, you know, mid-90s, you know, 96, you know, Pac, Seagram. Um, a, lot of, a lot of people, man, were lost. Yeah. You know? You know, I talked to um, I talked to my man, um, Sig brother, at least yeah, well, at least once a week. Tab, I talk to Tab at least once a week, and if I don't, it's because I'm going through something or I'm working on a song or whatever. But I talked to him, and he got a movie coming out. He got a whole bunch of stuff because he got a whole bunch of um, history in the bay. Yeah. There's so much history in the Bay. Do you know Ike Turner is from the Bay? Oh, yeah, man. The Bay is is sick. Shorty B was telling me when he touched down, um, I think it was Chris Hicks' uncle, a famous... Uh, yeah, he uh, played for Frankie Beverly. Yeah, yeah, he took him how in. Do I, then, how uh, do I know that? <laughs> well, you're you're right there, man. You know what I'm saying? You're mm-hmm. part of all, you know, everything going on. Uh, yeah, but the Bay is uh, is so rich in history. You know what I'm saying? What about Pac? Did you have any uh, uh, interactions with him? Did you get to work with him at all? Or hey, just hang out you with him? You know what? Do you know that, that song by Spice, Smoking Him Like a Blunt, me people, Smoking Him Like a Blunt? Yeah, that song? yeah, 187, yep. Pac begged, Pac begged me for that. But Pac didn't have no money. And Spice had a record deal. 
And I was like, man, they paying me $10,000 for that song. And Pop was like, man, let me have it. And I was like, no. <laughs> Worst mistake of my life. Pop, I'm going to give you something that just happened to me when I come home. Sunday night. Sunday night about 11 o'clock, I was at my aunt and uncle house, 2-6, over there on the pediment. And um, I grew up there since I've been in the seventh grade, and that's when I got into hip-hop, right? There's a liquor store over there called Terry's Liquor. If you look at um, Spice shot a video up there in the parking lot, it used to be Safeway, right? It's my neighborhood. But Perry Lick is like every, it's like a, a strip mall. Every other store in there changed except for Perry's Liquors. <laughs> Perry's Liquors is always there. So I'm smashing back to the house. I'm going to stop by Perry's Liquors and get me something, right? I go buy Perry's Liquors, and I see this cat, and I'm like, man, do I know you? Because I'm in my neighborhood. And he said, man, what's your name? <laughs> I said, Pierre. He said, Pierre James, DJ Pizzo, the beat fixer. I said, yeah. He said, it's old school Merv, baby. So I'm standing in the aisle. Well, actually, we was in the store. And then when we walked outside, I'm like standing up up, up the aisle. And I remember being there for that video that day. Um, Deion Sanders was there. Hammer was there. Short was there. A few of them Tony niggas was there. And I see Pac push up. And I go into Perry's. I bought two pints of uh, Hennessy. And Pop doing Pop, you know, he walking down the aisle. He just, yeah, what's, yeah, what's that? My pilot fight don't have a You know, Pop was a center of interest, right? So as he's walking, I just throw a pint of Hennessy over his, over his chest, right? Like over his right shoulder. Boom. And he stopped. He grabbed it. He turned around. And he looked at me and he's like, now see this nigga right here? <laughs> this the realest nigga I know. I told that nigga one day, where your brother Mo at? And he said, Mo, back at the house. I said, why you got all these niggas around you that don't know you? He man, I'm just doing my thing. Pac was an actor. And Pac was very good at acting. Pac was a really funny dude. He was He's like Spice. That's why them niggas click. Them niggas is like, Jokey, jokey. They do crazy shit. They don't give a fuck. And shit, man. Fuck. That's one of my Pac stories. He's a good dude, man. Pac was a great dude. Now, Mo, y'all know who Mo Prime is or Mo Sadie's? Oh, yeah, yeah. We've had him on uh, very, yeah, you very, You know what very... song he was on? Which one? I know I mean the Thug Life album. No. Does this sound familiar? 
Mercedes Zamello, quite a nice fellow. Met 3T here at Ryan Macapello. They did the rhythm. I did the rhyme. So we headed up one more time. They worked it out and I worked it in. Tony, Tony, Tony has done it again. That's pops, bro. Wow. So he's got history with them, too. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Of course, I, I was mean, the guy. I was I mean, me, myself, I wasn't listening to Tony, Tony, Tony. But, um... That's that's crazy, man. Because it, it, it's it's all connected, you know. What I'm it's saying? all connected, it's all like intertwined. Um, what about E40 though? Uh, when, when did you meet him? You know, his uncle uh, St. Charles has a rich history in the music business. Um, he's an entrepreneur himself. I, I, you E40, know what? Man. I never I never met E40. I never met him. Like, hey man, it's E40. It was like. Hey, nigga, you DJ Pierre. And I was like, yeah, man. He's like, man, okay. I got some shit coming out. I'm like, okay. But we were recording at the same studio. 40 followed Source Blueprint to a fucking T. To a T. He crossed the T's, dotted the I's, and made sure you could read the S's. He did that, but he made himself known. When Forty walked into a room before he got famous, he made sure he was advertising himself. He had an E40 in the click hat on. Because you can get them burnt at the mall for $7. But when he walked into the party, he had that on, and everybody is noticing that. That's how you do it. Yeah. Monday 40 said to me he wanted to get into doing movies. And I said, have you read for anything yet? And he said, yeah, I read for a couple of things. I said, okay, I got a pot of name, Bentley Kyle Evans. He's the producer. He wrote for Martin, and he's the producer, the executive producer of the Jamie Foxx show. I'm going to give him your number. He's going to give you a call. Next thing I know, 40 is on the Martin Show. And then later on in life, 40 has said to me, man, Hollywood ain't hollering at me. And I said, you got to make them holler, just like Master P did. I don't need your money. I just want your advertisement. Y'all motherfuckers just mad at me because I'm only going to give you 10% 10% on the dollar, and you used to get 90%. But I'm not I'm not for that. You start seeing this shit pick up. Look at what D-Shot doing. Look at what Sugar is doing. Look at what, and I don't even think they know what Muggs is doing, but Muggs got a very uh, uh, big business in Physical shit. Like, them niggas work out. This niggas, like, online, they work out. And I'm like, nigga, you really make money? He's like, dude, you wouldn't believe. So, you know, everything is progressive. Yeah. Everybody's the, living their lives and moving, this is and the moving world. out with whatever they're doing, you know? Um, if you make money here, diversify. Yeah. Because you're not always going to make money here. If you make money here, diversify, because you're not always going to make money there. So what we learned in this business was what they already knew. 
Now, we're good. Remember earlier I said we're good at the music, so we're going to stay that way. We just was bad at the business. Now, we better at the business than we are at the music. That's why you hear in groups that you like, I don't even like them. That's why that's happening. But you know what they know how to do? They know how to go get the money. And what's the end result of of hip-hop from the late 90s? They want the money because they've seen the money that we made. When we started doing it, really, we, we just wanted to make music. We didn't even realize we were going to make a billion dollars. Can you imagine somebody from the ghetto and Jive RCA sends you a $100,000 check, it'll be there tomorrow, FedEx is going to come by your house. That didn't happen. But it did. So that changes your whole outlook on life. Oh, I can make money off this. Now this is your job. How many people like their job? I'm going to go ahead and say 40% are the people that work in the United States like their job. It turned from loving what we did to a job, and then when we started getting cheated out of money, we started hating our job. So people would get out. Prime example, what was that boy's name that was on – Wild Pit. What, 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 what label was uh, Tone Loke on? Uh, man, I can't, I can't remember. Was it Wild Pitch? It was something. I think it was connected to Tommy Boy. I'm not sure. But um, just bust the move. That guy? Oh, yeah, Young MC. He wasn't yeah, a rapper? He... Yeah, Young MC. He's college. <laughs> he, he like smart, really smart. He liked college. <laughs> there was a uh, still cons- there was an underground you know guy in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. He um, he put out a real hard album. His name was uh, J Mac, and uh, I mean it was you know Little Rock is a, a fucking you know real, real uh, street area. You know what I'm saying? Uh, underground uh, music. This motherfucker became a doctor. I mean. Uh, anything's possible. You know what I'm saying? I got um, this rule. I got this rule. Young men, and I ain't going to say of any color, but it's the three letters. What do you want to do? Oh, I'm going to the NFL. I'm going to the NBA. Or I'm going to do RAP. These are the options that they really believe that they have. That's it. But you got to look within yourself. If you want to be in any one of those games, what you have to understand is this. It's 100 people in the room. They're only going to pick 1%. And is it you? Yeah, you gotta be the best. That's you what you and you work. have to really push yourself that hard. The like reason the why I got to do what I got to do is because when they were asleep, 
I was awake and I was working, and I was honing my skills. It's just like Bruce Lee. I really just took what Bruce Lee did. Bruce Lee said, I'm not going to conform to what's going on. I'm going to make my own way and do my own thing. And if they don't like it, I don't care. But I'm going to do it because it's going to satisfy me. And when he did it, he mixed so many styles together that they couldn't touch him. He knew judo. He knew taekwondo. And then he renamed everything to what he was doing. That's what I based my career on, honestly. You have to do something that's going to stand outside of the box. You can't sound like Lil Wayne got a song that sounds like this. You can't sound like Lil Wayne. You sound like Lil Wayne. Remember who is Gorilla Black? Gorilla Black is a very talented person. But he sounds identical to Biggie. They're not having it until they respect him. I believe he still got a career because the boy is raw. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of cats that sound like Pac, too. Uh, not oh, yeah. just the real I was going to say that. Uh, you had Black Haze down in Florida. You had a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? And um, But, yeah, man, uh, um, I see what you're saying. And, and because of that, because of your dedication to the craft, you were able to um, do a lot of things, and you're still doing them to this day. Um, before we get to what you got going on now, I want to bring on the homie Sin from France. Um, I know he's got a couple questions for you. Sin, you there, brother? Yes, yes, sir. Hi, hi, Scott. Hi, legendary Barry, DJ uh, Pizzo. Um, can you tell us about his, his songs, the classics of Weekend and the Summer of your classic album, One in a Drop? He a roster. He a roster. Hold on. Time out. Roster? You got to talk slower. Hey, then I can understand it. No disrespect. Yeah. I just got to talk slower for me, uh-huh. please. <laughs> I was, um, can you tell us about the song Weekend in the Summer of your classic album, uh, One in a Drop? Wow. <laughs> Whoa, okay. <laughs> you heard that, man? It ain't too many people that heard that. Oh, this guy I'm heard listening. that. Yeah. <laughs> He's an encyclopedia. So, J Dog, <laughs> J Dog of France. But what, what, you what want about, to know about it? it? And you want to just know uh, uh, oh, how you yes. created it and everything the, the and the backstory? Yeah, yeah, about the production, about the, um, this song. There's a story behind that, too. You remember earlier I said um, my dude Ray, and he was doing Dangerous Dang? Yeah, um, yes, sir. I was living with Raphael, and we had a studio downstairs, right? And for some reason, one morning I woke up and I heard, I just was like, that that weekend before, I was out at the sideshow, and it was the summertime. And I was like, weekend in the summer. And this is what it was for Oakland. It was, this is what we did in Oakland at that time. We went to the sideshow, and I see Chris Hicks, and I'd be like, man, give me a zip. Yeah, that's 350. 
but for you it's two fifty because I'm DJ Pizzo. But um the guy who um recorded all the pop shit, his name is Digital D. He worked out of a, a studio called Starlight. I got him a, a gig over there with me and um Raphael in the home studio, right? And um one day I played it for him, right? And he was like, you should have Suge sing on that shit. And I was like, we was working on Owen Sugar's album. Um, so Suge came in like at 9 o'clock in the morning. I said, I want you to sing the weekend, 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 weekend. And he did it. And then he put his own spell on it. And it just was something that happened. Then Raphael came home. And when Raphael came home, he was like, what the fuck is that? And I was like, oh, that's me and Suge. That's called Weekend in the Summer. And he was like, yeah, let me put a bass line on there. And he put that bass line on there. And the next thing I know, I, we had Weekend in the Summer. That's just how it happened. Oh. <laughs> you know, on this shit. album, you, you, you got, of course, Spice One, What in a Drop, but you got also uh, Money B and Pullman on Slang and Zaciayo, a two dope guest who at time. You know, damn, you can, you guys pulling it out of me too. Look, playing that Yayo was actually an idea that Spice had, and it was off of um, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Ba da ta 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 Yayo. Slang and Zaciayo. So we just turned it to Slang and Yayo because that's what the fuck we was doing. And um, when I made it, I asked Pop to be on it, and he said, man, I can't be on it because my nigga Richie Rich used that sample. And I said, yeah, but his sample don't sound like mine. He was like, nah, I can't be on it. So I put Pooh Man and Money B on there, and I just called him, and I was like, man, just do the song with me, right? And we record that, and I, I want to give out a shot to my dude, Lev Burlington, he um he had a studio that was so tight, and I had started moving up, and I, he he knew how to record me, and I was like, I want to do this, make that happen. I want to do this, make that happen, and it it would happen. And um, damn, you talking about some classic songs? I got a phone call one day, and it was Chaz Hayes, and he said, Hey man, you know that song you did? I said, What song? And he said, that song you did on Rolling the Dry. And I said, I thought the hot song was um, Nigga Rolling the Dry, Me and Spice. And he said, nah, the other one. I said, how's your wife and my son? And he was like, nah, the other one. And I was like, slanging that Yayo? And he was like, yeah, that's the one. The dude that sung... Slanging that Yayo on my version is the same dude, which is Ray, that sung it on Aunt Banks' version. I don't think you guys ever heard my version. My version is hip-hop. It's raw and cut. And then um, he was like, yeah, 40 did that song. And I was like, are you kidding me? That's when I got mad at Aunt Banks because I was like, Man, you directly stole that from me. You directly stole okay, that right. from me. Yeah. On this album, you was on on uh, Black Market Records. How it was a deal 
with uh, Cedric Singleton from Sacktown. I did a deal with Cedric, and when I did the Rolling the Drop album, I put it on Black Market because Black Market was doing big shit with Lynch, and I was living in Sacramento at the time, and all I gave him was distribution. I think I gave him a quarter or a dollar, and I gave him a year <coughs> to blow it up. But Spice at that time was big, and then... Um, I hooked up with my dude named Dave Santos, and he started backing my projects financially. We ended up getting the office in the same building and said, because I wanted to watch my money. And um, when the year was up, I used to roll with this kid called Big Will, right? Big Will wasn't, he was a nigga from the town. This is the guy you don't want to fuck with in real life. And um, when my year was up, I wanted my check. And whatever product that you have that's mine, I want it back. So I called him. And his secretary kept saying, oh, she is busy. He's in a meeting right now. Really? Okay, tell him to give me a call back. He never called me back. Don't went to his fucking office. Uh-huh. With Big Will. When I went in there, I said, where's my shit? Because it was in a warehouse in the back. I said, I want all my shit. Man, I'm in a business meeting conference right now. I don't give a fuck what you're doing. That's when I threw his computer off his table. Then I went to my partner's Dave Santo office. He got a little more heart than Sid. I threw his shit off his table, too. Where's my money? I want my money. Nobody want to budge. Okay. All right. We're getting into gunplay now. It's getting bad up in there. We're about a step away from gunplay. So I go outside and I tell Big Will, he was like, man, you didn't get the money? I said, no. Nah. So Big Will get out of the car. But this dude come outside. And he said, this nigga coming for you right now. What you going to do? I said, I'm going to knock this nigga out. And that's what I did. Then I went back up and said, office, I'm like, you need to have my product tomorrow and my check. What do you think he did? Because he looked downstairs and he seen Big Will. And he knew he, we, we wasn't playing. It was a messed up situation over there. And I'm not trying to say that I'm just going to run up on a nigga like that, but when somebody mess with your money like that, you got to be responsible because if they, if the bully at school take you for your milk money, he's going to take you for your milk money every day. You're not taking me for my milk money, man. I've been through that. I'm not going to do that. I'm the nicest guy you want to meet. But just don't put me out there. You know what I mean? Am I wrong for that? Absolutely not. Okay. I have people yeah, all, all the time that, you know, um, they want to come on the show. And, um, you know, next thing you know, they want to come on again a few months later, a few months later. Before you know it, it's like, man, i got to just block this motherfucker and cut him off. You know, it's like. Uh, you know you know what a lot of people don't know? Is when you do the, no. when you in music. Or any business, really. 
it's a gangster business. It's shrewd people yeah. in here. It's people oh, that yeah. will do something to you. And they're not playing about their money. If you want to ruin somebody, mess with their money and watch what the reaction is going to be. And money yeah, does two right. things for you. Money changes you for the better or the worse. That's all money does for you. That's it. Yeah, you think you're yeah. yeah. 100%. I, I don't know what time, uh, time balls of Bay. Um, how is your perception of Bay Area producers as a studio tone like Mosele, Sambostick, Davila, Johnny Capone, even a way back runner? John Capone, John Capone is my zoo. You ever heard of Mike Mosley? Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Mike okay. Mosley. So, me and Mike Mosley who is a hell of a producer. We, Our children are related. So wow. I talk to Mike all the time. I'm like, what you working on? What you doing? EA Ski, I talk to him all the time. Well, not all the time. I talk to him every once in a while. <coughs> I think, <coughs> excuse me, I think the, the Bay Area producers, have their own sound. All of them. Good rock. Everybody. I think they got their own sound. And and you got so many producers out of the bay that have their own sound. But you got a lot of them that got everybody else's sound. The raw producers... I ever seen hmm, I'ma say his name was James. The dude that mixed feels good. He produced it. What a lot of people don't understand is you got somebody that produces the song, you got somebody that writes the song. Now when you write, it's either vocals or music. But when you produce you take that product that they already made and you say, those hi-hats ain't hitting right. We need bigger drums. That's a producer. But in my era, we learned how to do the whole spectrum. We learned how to work the board. I learned how to say, you know what, those hi-hats are really hitting that quarter notes, so we're going to take them quarter notes and we're going to double them up. It's going to make them eighth notes. Then we're going to double them up. It's going to make them sixteenths. But we're going to take them back to the quarters, and it's going to sound like... But when I pull them out, it's going to sound like... It's for a reason, because everything is in the mix. That's what I think a lot of producers out of the day got, because that's what I learned from a lot of people that were before me. And when I brought that sound... I'm not even going to lie. Short said it to me. He said, everything is in the mix. So if it's in the mix, it's what? If everything is in the mix, what kind of food would you call it? Gumbo. Yeah. There it is. Yeah, yeah. Now, some people like shrimp. Some people like hot plates. Some people don't. But everybody loves gumbo, right? You just pull out. (laughs) 
what you like and run with it. It sounds stupid, but it, it sounds not stupid, but very simplistic, but that's exactly what it is. You just got the formula. Mm. Yeah. Did you miss uh, DJ Grandmaster Scratch, uh, who was a DJ of Master P, uh, what the deal in 1990 in Oakland by the day? He was scratching too at time. Yeah, DJ I never heard of him. He was out of Richmond. Um, yeah, I, you I know what? Look, okay, you got to ask Pee Wee about that because if you ain't from Richmond, you're going to go to Richmond. <laughs> yeah. I'm Shout serious. Anytime I went to Richmond, I went to Al Eaton's studio and I got the fuck out of there. I live, don't get me wrong, I live like maybe 15 minutes down the street in Berkeley, but if you off Cutting Boulevard, you ain't from Richmond, don't be in Richmond, bruh. And all our people are buried in Richmond, and you can go over there to Hilltop, but you can't go over to Cutting. I mean, it's like Shy Town down there. They not playing. Yeah. Why the hell you think they call Keep Sneak out there? Nigga don't go to Richmond. Oakland niggas and Richmond niggas never got along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They and just never did it. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of talent in both places. Um, yeah. yeah. But you, the whole you thing is, it's like years. You know how long? Pee Wee, I could I could go to Richmond because of Pee Wee. Yeah. I don't think you guys understand that. I got to call Pee Wee before I come. If I went to Richmond today. I would have to call Pee Wee, and Pee Wee would guide me in. He'd be like, "You know what? Meet me at the meet me at the bowling alley over there in Pano. Leave your car, and I'll drive you in. We can hang out. We can go to work. I can't just drive into Richmond. Still them Richmond yeah, niggas yeah. and them East Palo Alto niggas is ruthless. <laughs> them niggas is ruthless, and I love them." It's like it's like trying to drive. You know how you gotta go to a a, a, mil, a military installment. Like when you gotta go in, they check, check your ID point. and all that shit. You, it's certain neighborhoods in East Palo Alto yeah. and in Richmond and in you can't go in there like that. Police don't even go in there. Like East St. Louis, they don't even go in there. They leave it alone. All they do is clean up the bodies. That's it. When it's a dead nigga on the corner, you got a ghetto pass. That's some fucked up shit, huh? <laughs> the oh, truth, yeah. though. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy, it's man. It's the truth. I tell you what, uh, DJ Pizzo, man, I, I really had a good time chopping it up with you, man. You got such a uh, dope history in the in the game, you know what I'm saying, that, that spans uh, many years, and uh, I hope we can do it again in the future. Um, we definitely gonna do it, man. Hell yeah, hell definitely. yeah, man. Uh, you you know what you said to me? You floor. said uh, we, we was gonna do a uh, dangerous through round table, and you know what? I'm on for that one because I want to hear what everybody got to say. I, just, <laughs> I would love, man, I'm because like, we've had individually. Okay, we've had yourself, we've had Pooh Man, we've had Goldie, uh, we've had um, let's see, Pee Wee, Shorty B. We've never had Banks, but he, he just told me recently he's down to come on the show, so that, that that's dope right there. Um, 
I'd love to do that, man. Because uh, banks, I want to hear banks you guys is like I, I'm, I'm gonna tell you like this. Banks is like honestly, like Dr. Dre, we like the dog pound. I mean, we support everybody, supports everybody, but we know who got the name. We know who really, really got the name, and Banks is a good dude. So yeah, man, I appreciate you. Let me speak out. And I know we got off the music subject, and I was talking some life stuff, but, man, that's what it comes down to when you get to be the age that I'm at. And after you've done everything I've done, because I look at these kids, and I'll be like, can I give you this one example? And I swear to God, I, I'll cut it short. There's this one oh, kid no, that no. was on The Shy, and I seen, like, um, an Instagram footage on this nigga. And this nigga, like, walked into the hood, nigga, with, like, something you can't even wrap your hand around with a whole bunch of gold and shit on. This nigga don't realize that these niggas are wolves. And when they hungry, they're going to eat. And you look like something that's tasty. Stop. Best advice I could give to these young kids, man. Don't ever. Don't ever let nobody know what you have. Because if they don't have it, they're going to take it from you. And this is the wealth that rap brings. This is the wealth that throwing parties bring. So don't do it. Keep your mouth shut. Act like you're broke. I did it for 30 years. And ain't nobody asked me for a loan yet because I'm always broke. I ain't got nothing, man. I ain't got nothing. I ain't got nothing. I ain't got nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just, that's what I'm going. <laughs> Absolutely, but I, yeah, I appreciate you, man. Yeah, at least um, no, taking the time with you. me, man. I appreciate talking to your man too. I couldn't understand him too well because of your roster, but I understood what he was saying. I grab a couple of pages <laughs> out of there and be like, okay, I see what he's saying. It's yeah, hard to yeah, understand yeah. roster. He always shoots me the questions ahead of time in case I, I got to translate. Uh, but yeah, he's a French connection, man. Shout out to Sin. Uh, he always he always goes back in the archive and, and digs in, uh, for those you know old songs that that you might have. I'm, I'm, you know what I'm gonna do, man? I'm gonna start sending you. I'm a, I'm gonna start sending you like a couple of tracks a week. I'm gonna start sending you some of my catalog. If you want to sell it, sell it. If you want to just give it to your partner, give it to your partner. Because I've been sitting on the shit for like fifteen years. And I got, when you hear that, I'm losing me, single, with me and Raphael and Laconda, you're going to be like, what the fuck is this nigga doing? And send it to your partner. I'm serious, because we got 5,000 hits in one, it was like eight hours. Yeah. That shit was uh, I'm going to start sending you some shit, man. Oh, man, feel free. You know what I'm saying? Uh, All right. You know, I, you know, I'd love to, uh, you know, I mean, I hope you put out that documentary too, man. I'd love to check that shit out. I can imagine. I'm working uh, on it. You know what? I really want the girl from my neighborhood to be on it, but it's hard to get them all in one place. I got to buy a whole bunch of alcohol and get a hotel room. It got to be like a party because that's what they want. That's what they told me, so. If I can't do it, I can't do it. But I'm really trying to do it because the whole documentary, I'm talking about myself. 
I want other people to talk about me and be like, oh, who? Damon? I want them to say that. Because I know they're going to say it. Damon, he was a hoe. Yeah. That's what they're going to That's the type of shit they go. But I want them to see the reality of it. I want my, 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 my peers, my audience, I want them to see the reality that I'm not a fake-ass reality TV-ass nigga, man. I'm telling you some shit that's real. I'm the nigga that can't pay his phone bill in real life sometimes. You know what I mean? Everybody know what that shit is like. Nigga, you know when your cast been choked? That's reality. Nigga, it ain't, yeah, I got all hella makeup. Bitch, who in the fuck could put all that makeup on and afford that? But you're doing a reality show. Man, I hate that shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I want to yeah, do man. something that's real. I'm a, I'm a real nigga, so I'm going to do something that's real. I was raised by real niggas. And all my homies is real niggas, so that's, that's the end of it. That's DJP, though. That's me, man. And if they mad at me, nigga, Google me. My shit pop up like nipples. You can catch me anywhere. I'm always there. You ain't never there. Well, man, we look forward to hearing all the music, you know what I'm saying, and definitely look forward to chopping up with you again on the show. Let's uh, let's leave out of here with another dope uh, track, man. This is Rep Your City. Uh, tell everybody about this one, E-40. Rep Your City was something I had um, said. I felt funny because I started DJing for 40, but I had DJ for short, so it was kind of like passing a girlfriend, right? So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do something that mixed both of them together. And then I came up with that, and it just messed, and it worked, man. So run it, man. DJ Pizzo, man. I'm out here 1,000. Hell yeah, hell yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Everybody has DJ Pizzo, man. Uh, Murder Mass Music, go to ujazzforlife.com. We'll catch you on episode 819. Before the oh, man, I love work. to do it. Have I'm on 818. Look, I'm writing it down right now. I'm, I, hey, look, I'm seeing this kind of call. Take your dogs in. <laughs> we won't play with pit bulls. <laughs> We've got to have this so far before we even climb the pole. we got a yard full of pit bulls.
another level. We're here to whip the devil. I've never been a sucker. I've always been a real. What's your stop and grind? 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 What's your stop and grind